0: Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verse 24. So Exodus chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to just pray and ask God to bless this time as we look into his word. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege that we have of gathering in your name. We thank you for the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the promise of your word. It says that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purposes for which it was sent. So, Father, I pray that you would accomplish the purposes that you intend today. I pray that our hearts will be open and that we could receive from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our message today is entitled, What's in Your Hand? Look to the person next to you and say, What's in Your Hand? Well, our theme for 2013 is No Regrets. Last week, we shared with you a message about the great exchange. And we saw that many people irrationally trade eternal blessings and favor for things that will not last. We learned, though, that those who are wise have the capacity to exchange temporal things for eternal ones. So it is possible in this short span of time that you and I live on planet earth to make a huge difference in not only where, but how we and many others spend eternity. If you were here on Wednesday night, you heard John Bevere talk about the idea of the amount of time that we spend on earth. You know, if you and I live 80 years, imagine this if we said to a high school student, if we said to them, if you will do this and that for one hour, If you'll do something for one hour, the rest of your life, you will not have to work. The rest of your life, you will be provided for. The rest of your life, you'll always have a nice home and a new car every two years. And you'll have all these things. How many of you think you could find a way, now that you're older, you think, I would find a way to do whatever it was that they asked me to do for that one hour, right? We would do that. Well, when you look at the scope of eternity... The amount of time that we spend in this life is so very minuscule. It doesn't even exist on the chart when you look at how long eternity is. You can't even see it if you look on the chart. It's not even visible, the life that we live here on this earth. But the reality of it is this. What you and I do in this lifetime... What we do in the here and the now will affect not only where we spend eternity, but how we spend eternity. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says this about Moses By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Do you see that? Now, I am not going to try to shroud my intentions today. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can today to persuade you to get your eyes off of the temporal to get your eyes off of the things that you can see and to focus your eyes upon your eternal reward. Those of you who are reading with us through the Bible, this week you would have read about the story of Moses. We know that Moses went from Pharaoh's palace as a prince of Egypt to become a fugitive on the run when he killed an Egyptian who was abusing an Israelite. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a god-forsaken barren desert, tending another man's sheep. From the outside, if there was anyone who had reasons for regrets, it was Moses. Fourteen thousand six hundred days of regrets. You ever been in a place that's hot? You ever been in a place that's uncomfortable? And you're in that uncomfortable place for an hour or two? Well, Moses spent 14,600 days as a fugitive on the backside of the desert. He could have been in Pharaoh's palace, but he spent all of that time. And I'm sure that as this time goes by, Moses would have been full of regrets. Pharaoh was out to kill him. His life was quickly passing him by in obscurity. Someone who once showed such promise, and who had unlimited opportunities set before him, was wasting his life watching someone else's sheep. They weren't even his sheep. Perhaps he felt like he was forgotten by God. Perhaps he, on day 14,500, he was saying to himself, myself, How did I get here? Will this ever end? And all of a sudden, in the midst of his obscurity... In the midst of this desert and barren place, God shows up. Now, I want you to understand this. God has a way of showing up in some really weird places at some really unexpected times. And God showed up before Moses in the form of a burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, it says, when the Lord and Moses sees this, and he walks over to take a look at it. And in verse, three, we, in verse 4 of chapter 3, we pick up. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now I'm sure that Moses had to be surprised by this encounter. First of all, the, just the, the sight of a bush that's burning and that's not consumed... But then from the midst of the bush to hear the voice of God speaking out to him. All indications from scripture are that for Moses, this was a time of desolation. 14,600 days of desolation. He probably felt that he had been forgotten by God. That God had forsaken him. Keep in mind, all of this time, he had been separated from his family and separated from his people. But now God shows up and speaks to him in an audible voice. And what does God say to him? God says, I've seen your misery. I've heard their cry. And I am concerned for their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now here's the, probably the biggest shocker. God says, now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That had to be a lot for Moses to take in. For 40 years, I keep saying it, 14,600 days, Moses has lived as a fugitive. Seemingly forgotten by God. Seemingly forsaken by God. And then after all this time, God shows up and tells him he wants to go to Pharaoh and to lead the people out of Egypt. Now, it's obvious that Moses was someone who wanted to help the children of Israel. The reason why we say that is because whenever Moses was watching, he was watching over the people. And as he looked out, he saw an Egyptian was beating an Israelite. And what does he do? He comes up, he kills the Egyptian, and he protects the Israelite. What we find there is that when you and I, he wanted to do something good for God. He wanted to do something for the people of Israel. But when you and I try to do spiritual things in the arm of our flesh, it fails miserably every time. Every time that you and I try to, in our own flesh, in our own strength, by our own willpower, what it ends up, it usually ends up in a dead-end street. The times that we try to do those things for God or of God and, and those things, where we'll take it into our own hands and solve this problem or we'll help this situation out. Again and again, it usually fails. And that's what happened to Moses. And that's the reason that he was in that situation. He had tried but he had failed. But God was giving Moses another chance. Aren't you glad that God's a God of second chances? And as you look at your life, and you may have a lot of situations, some of you might be in that situation right now. It might not be 14,600 days, but you may feel as if you are living in a time of barrenness. You may feel that the circumstances and the situations of life have taken you to a place of desolation. And you just feel like maybe God's forgotten about you. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've made some wrong choices. Maybe some situations or the consequences of your actions have caught up to you. And you feel like God's just forgotten. Or maybe you've done the right thing. And yet God has led you through the desert. And you're wondering if he's there. Maybe in the past in your life, there was a time that seemed like life was so promising and that you could do anything. But now you just wonder if you can accomplish anything at all for God. Well, God gives him a second chance. But when God speaks to Moses, Moses is plagued by self-doubt. Perhaps it was the 40 years that he's been walking in the desert watching sheep. Perhaps it's the experiences that he's been through. Perhaps it's his confidence and his joy and his hope has been stolen away from him by his circumstances. We don't know, but Moses is plagued by self-doubt. And in verse 11, Moses answers back to God. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it's I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers, the God of, has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to them. I am has sent me to you. God promises Moses, in the first part, God promises Moses that his presence will go with him. And God gives Moses the authority of his very name. Then God tells Moses that the process will not be without its challenges. But God assures him of the outcome. My friend, whenever God calls you to a great work, when God calls you to do something for him... The very fact that you are trying to draw close to him will guarantee you that you will face challenges. Do you ever notice that whenever you start to follow God and you just determine in your heart that you're going to lay aside the things that hold you back and you determine that you're going to draw near to the Lord, that the enemy comes against you even harder? You say, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to draw near to him. I'm going to start praying. And instead of things getting all better like everybody thinks they should, Oftentimes all hell breaks loose against us, doesn't it? The enemy comes against us in, in many different forms and circumstances, and he uses, he uses our families, he uses our friends, he uses other church members, he uses circumstances and situations just to try to steal the courage and the confidence out of us. He wants to stop us before we even get started. Moses has faced us all of his life. This was nothing new to him. You see, God had foreordained that Moses be a great deliverer. And what did the enemy try to do? He moved upon hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh was killing all of the young boys. And we read in scripture that Moses, remember Moses' mother put him in a basket, set him in in the bulrushes. And Pharaoh's daughter came down and found him. Moses' sister is standing by watching to see what happens. She goes to Pharaoh's daughter and she says, I'll find an Israeli nurse to take care of him. And she went back and got his mother. And Moses was raised on his mother's lap. But Moses refused. The scripture we read earlier. Moses refused the pleasure of Pharaoh's palace. And he chose rather to identify with the people of God in their sufferings. And if you're going to be called of God, we might just lay this out. You're going to experience suffering. You're going to experience trials and you're going to experience difficulties. And the more you desire to seek after God and the greater the plans that God has for you, the greater the attacks that will come your way. Thank God for the promise that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. So you can be assured of this. If you set your heart to follow God, if you set your desires to do the things of the Lord, that you're going to face all kinds of opposition. But be sure of this, that God promises that his presence will go with us and he gives us his name upon which we can call. He gives us a name that's above every name, the name that that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He gives us that name to hold to. God says this to Moses. He says, but I know that the king of Egypt, verse 19, will not let you go unless the mighty hand compels him. So I'm going to stretch out my hand And strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave them, you'll not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters... And so you will plunder the Egyptians. God says, I'm getting ready to turn this bondage into a time of blessing. For 400 years, the Egyptians have been abusing the children of Israel. They've been taking advantage of them. And now in this moment in time, God's going to turn that around. And whenever he delivers them, not only is he going to deliver them, but the Israelis are going to carry away the plunder, the gold and the silver of Egypt with them as they go. The riches of Egypt. When God asks us to do something, like Moses, we often feel those feelings of inadequacy. We may feel overwhelmed. We may search for excuses why God should use someone else. We may come up with all the reasons things will not work out. But I want to show you how God responds to Moses, because that's what Moses did. Whenever God asked him to do this, Moses comes up with all of these reasons why it can't work. Now, if we had have gone back 40 years and one month before, I think Moses would have said, okay, God, let's do this. He had a place of power. He was in a position of authority. He had at his disposal political connections. And now he's been stripped away and he has nothing except for what God asked him. God says, what's in your hand? Let's look at that. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it to the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now God responded to Moses' doubts and fears and insecurities and feelings of inadequacy with a question. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? It was a common staff. It was a walking stick. It was something that all of the shepherds would have had. I'm sure that Moses didn't have much else. When you're a nomad... Living in the desert, without an SUV, and without like a gator to ride around on, or a four-wheeler, or a dune buggy, you learn to travel light. It may not seem like it was something of great value or significance, but God said to Moses, what's in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Today I want to ask you that question. What do you have in your hand? God used a boy with a lunch of a few loaves and a couple of small fish to feed 5,000. God used a boy with a slingshot and a few stones to kill the giant Goliath. The widow at Zarephath had only a little oil and enough flour to make one cake before she and her son starved to death. But God used it to sustain the prophet Elijah and her family during the entire famine of several years. The wife of the dead prophet who was in debt had only one small jar of oil. That's all she had. And she had to go and borrow other jars and other containers. But you know what? What was in her hand as she poured out that oil did not run out until she filled the very last jar. My friend, what has God placed in your hand today? God told Moses to release what was in his hand and to throw it to the ground. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. Don't let what you don't have and what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Don't let what you don't have and what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. Moses was obedient To do what he could. Now let's be honest. If you were rationalizing this. And you're Moses and you're standing out in the middle of the desert. It's hot. You got a bunch of sheep around you and goats. And God speaks to you and says throw down your staff. How in the world can throwing down your staff in the middle of the desert change the heart of a world leader? God wait a minute. My mind would have been spinning. Okay I got to bring the people out of Egypt. How am I going to do this? Uh, Well, I know I don't have any connections back there because those guys are trying to kill me. So I probably shouldn't go back there. Once again, if it had been 40 years and two weeks before, Moses had all the connections in the world. He had all the pool and the power. He had prestige. He had political connections. He had all of these things and he was in a position You know, he was in a powerful position. He had leverage back then. And now God's saying to him, take your stick and throw it down. What? Does that make any sense to anybody? Like, throw your stick down. I can't imagine, that's not going to get fair to let him go, God. So why should I throw my stick down? But Moses was obedient to the voice of God, and he threw his stick down to the ground. When Moses threw that stick to the ground, it became a serpent. And with that rod, I want you to listen to this. With that rod, Moses would strike the Nile, and it would become as blood. He would raise that rod over the waters of Israel, and a plague of frogs would come and infest the land. He would raise that rod again, and lice would fill the land. He raised it again. When he raised it, the next time, hail began to fall from heaven, destroying people, And destroying all the crops and the livestock. He raised that rod again. And a plague of locusts came. And destroyed whatever was left. With that rod. When he raised that rod the Red Sea parted. And the people of Israel went through on dry ground. And listen to this. When he raised it up the next time. God had made a promise to him. God said all these enemies that you see today. By the time we're done today, you will never see him again. And the next time he raised that rod over the Red Sea, what happened? The waters came in and covered over the Egyptian and Pharaoh, all of his armies, and they were utterly destroyed. Again, we find with Moses, with that same rod, Moses struck the rock at Horeb, and water came out and fulfilled the thirst of the children of Israel. And as long as that rod was raised towards heaven during the battle with the Amalekites, as long as that rod was raised towards heaven, the Israelite armies were winning. But whenever Moses' arms got tired and the rod started coming down, we find that the momentum began to go to the Amalekites. And the Amalekites began to destroy the Israelites. And so Aaron and Hur came alongside Moses, and they helped him to hold that rod up one more time. And they held, as long as that rod was held up, as long as that rod was lifted up, the children of Israel were winning. And they held it up long enough that God ultimately destroyed the Amalekites before them. See, there was something very powerful about Moses' obedience. With that, his arms lifted up, total victory was won. God had said to Moses in verse 17, but take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Now, I want you to notice this as well. When Moses did this, then others did it as well. You see, it sounds so stupid to throw down your rod Take your staff and throw it on the ground. But when Moses was obedient to God, he was obedient in the simple thing. What's in your hand? It's a rod. Throw it down. He threw it down. Pick it up. He picked it up. When Moses did that, then there were other people around him who also had staffs that were very powerful. You notice that Aaron was able in the future to take his rod Throw it down, and it would become a serpent. When Moses struck the waters of the Nile with his rod, they turned to blood. When Aaron struck the ponds and the streams with his rod, they turned to blood. Again and again, Aaron was able to do miraculous things as a result of the rod that God had given him. You notice this? After David killed Goliath, oftentimes when we think about like who killed a giant? All children who come to church for any length of time know that David killed Goliath. But you know what? After David killed Goliath, David was surrounded. He was surrounded by men who killed powerful giants as well. I want you to get that in your spirit. If David hadn't fought Goliath, there's other men who surrounded him who would have never had the courage to go out and fight the giants. But because they saw what David did, they realized, that's David. I watched him do it. I can do that too. And for Aaron, whenever Aaron was hanging around Moses, Aaron was hanging around Moses and he saw what God did through Moses' rod, and Aaron believed that God would use him as well. And so what we find is that whenever you and I are willing to take what's in our hand and use it for God, that there's another generation that's watching us, and they're willing to do it as well. There's two things I want to hit on before we finish up. For those of you who, if you're a visitor today, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. Uh, we believe in, in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles, faith, discerning of spirits, words of wisdom, and words of knowledge. And I was sitting at my house the other day, uh, Friday, and I, I was praying, and as I read this portion of Scripture, I felt like the Holy Spirit came upon me In that moment as I read this verse. Because this is what it's about. We make the message about Moses. We make it about his feeling inadequate. We make it about his time of barrenness. And time of desolation. Because sometimes that's where we are. But God has a bigger plan than just Moses' barrenness or his desolation, or that you're feeling sad or down, or that you're feeling that maybe God's forgotten you, or you're wondering if God will ever use you again. Because God speaks to Moses, and he says this. I want to go back to it. He says, the Lord said this. He said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God says, I've seen their misery. I've heard their crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out and into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go... I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I do my message on Friday in my family room. Everyone's gone. And as I read that, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And this doesn't happen to me all the time. I kind of wish it did. I think the dog freaked out. Our dog sits beside me on the couch. Like if I sit there, she sits right beside me, gets in the crease there and sits there. And as I read that something in my spirit just stirred because I realized that that's what this is about. God says, I've seen the misery. I've seen the abuse. I've seen how my people are suffering and I've heard their cries. I've seen what's taking place around me and I'm concerned and so I've come to you and I'm sending you to go to bring my people out of Egypt. And what I did, I just began to like pray in the spirit. It was some loud, boisterous thing that came out. And I was like, the dog was kind of jumping and looking at me. and. But friend, that's what God has called us to do. This message is not about Moses. This is about the heart of God for lost people. This is about God's desire to rescue those who are in bondage. And every day, thousands of people drive up and down this road who are lost, who are in bondage, who are crying out to God and they desperately need to find a savior. They desperately need someone to set them free. And God's saying, I've called you. I've raised you up to do it. Now what did I place in your hand?